campers. Welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan. I'm Madison. Thank you for joining us. It is middle, nay, the end-ish of September. Yeah. And you've chosen to be here with us. And what Mm -hmm. a great choice you've made. Yeah, we're about to spook (sighs) you. Yeah, (laughs) it's going to be amazing. Um, Madison, what have you been up to? What's going on? Um, I have been watching a lot of TV. Great. <laughs> um, which I know is really astounding. Surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and I know you don't care about this, but the newest <laughs> season of The Circle has started on Netflix and it's mm. so stupid. <laughs> I just I cannot explain to you my love for this show. It's mm. I care so by proxy. I'm happy okay. for you I that you have another that. season. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh, I just love it so much. Um, so I've been watching a lot of that. Um, I've been watching a lot of science YouTube lately. Um, and I use the term science loosely. Uh Um, I don't know if you've ever seen any William Osmond videos. Mm -mm. Um, but he's like this super smart guy. He has like a degree in like mechanical and electric engineering, electrical engineering. And he Mm -hmm. just makes the dumbest shit. Um, and he's just the most chaotic. I, I think he would drive me crazy if I were around him in real life, but his videos are very entertaining and I'm learning a lot about, you know, science. I mean, so I'll check it out. Obviously it's, uh, you know, I love science. Yeah. We love science. It's pretty good. Big fans fans. over here. Mm Um, yeah, so that's what I've been watching primarily. Okay. Okay. How about you? What have you been up to? What have you been watching? We're still on the Sopranos. Okay. Um, That's a, how many seasons of that are there? I have no more clue. than two, right? Yeah. It's gotta be. Okay. It's gotta be a few. <laughs> it was such a big show. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. we're like almost done with season one, but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really all I've been watching, but, and podcasts are still the same. I don't have a new one, but I I did make a big purchase that I feel like um, is very insignificant, but the amount of money that I spent on it, I feel like I need to just talk about it a little bit. Was it, can I guess? Yeah. Was it a gigantic Halloween blow up for your yard? I wish. It's a very (laughs) practical purchase. Then I don't know. (laughs) I just bought a new mattress and um, why are they so expensive? Dude, they're so expensive. Did you get like one of the bed in a box ones or did you get like a real one? Yes. Yeah. We went with right. Okay. Um, So I'll, I'll report back and let you all know. know I was really (laughs) get it. I think, you know, the main thing here is that I'm just really relying on this mattress to fix all of my back problems uh, and all and of we'll your see. regular problems, just every problem. If it could fix it, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so I, here's the thing about mattresses. I'm a big believer in like, you have to invest in it. I love sleep. You, you know, Okay. You hold on. So pause <laughs> because campers, 
as long as I have known Madison, this bitch will not shut up about circadian rhythms. <laughs> That's extremely true. I am really, <laughs> really on board. Really big on circadian rhythms. And so, yeah. you know, <laughs> naturally, I am a very big fan of like a quality mattress. Yeah. That being said, I have come to believe recently that mattresses are a bit of a scam. And here's why. Okay. So I have something to add to this, but keep going. (laughs) The bed that is behind me right now is our guest room bed because I am in our guest room. Uh And um, it (laughs) is just like the shittiest Ikea mattress that I like. It's like their base model Ikea mattress. This thing probably cost me like $60 like 10 years ago. And it's, it's bad. Um, but we had guests coming recently and I felt bad. And I honestly, it got to the point, my dogs, when I work all day here, my dogs are always on this bed, um, just uh-huh. like hanging out. And it honestly made me feel bad for them that they had to spend so much time on this mattress. It was that bad. And so what I did is I went on the old amazon.com and ordered a, like t- a, really cheap like two inch memory foam mattress pad Mm. and then additionally i ordered a like pillow top -er thing for it so i layered them and it feels just as good as the like nine hundred dollar mattress that we got a few years ago and i spent like sixty dollars total (laughs) i'm so annoyed (laughs) this one is like um upwards of $1,500. So if it's not good, yeah. I'm going to scream. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it will be a loud scream. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard by the mattress? <laughs> Sorry. Have you ever heard of <laughs> the mattress factory conspiracy theory? <laughs> no. Well, maybe sometimes well, I just, sometimes I know things as like history. And then I learn later <laughs> that they're conspiracy theories. <laughs> such is life um but it's so funny when you said mattresses were a scam this is the first thing that popped into my mind because i read an article um where wait the um yeah 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 yeah. okay when you said mattress factory (laughs) is that what it's called mattress factory i think so but so like mattress firm something like that yeah i thought it was mattress factory but sure i don't know Whatever it is. No mattress store. You're right. Because I was thinking it was like (laughs) an actual factory where they make mattresses. I was like, was there a fire? Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, So for the campers who don't know, I will say there's this conspiracy theory because when you look at mattress firm on a map, like look it up in your city, there's usually Mm -hmm. a few of them like clustered together. For what reason? Yeah. And there's this theory that it's like a front for a giant money laundering scheme. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Which yeah. Cause there's so never fun. anyone in there. Yeah. Who, first of all, everyone orders their stuff online these days. Yeah. No yeah. one's going to a store unless you're a boomer. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'd like to know the truth. Oh, I love that theory so much. Cause yeah, they're all like so clustered and like they have real estate that is too expensive for yeah like even if they sell like one or two mattresses a day which i feel Mm -hmm. like 
Okay. So I think that one of these days we should just like plant ourselves in front of a mattress firm and do Mm -hmm. some investigative reporting and see what is actually going on. I think um, we have to, I think it's our duty as Mm -hmm. investigative reporters. And I, I think my number one question is what kind of gear do we need? Full camo. Full tactical Full camo, lots of legal pads. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Like I ever go anywhere without a legal pad. <laughs> yeah. You will never catch me without one. <laughs> we just go dressed as a mattress. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just gotta blend just in. Blend in. Um, yeah. Okay. Great. It's settled. I'm glad we, I, you know, I love that we are waging war on so many companies and I love that all of them start with the letter M it's a, oh, it's yeah. a real theme. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, we've got a warehouse. We've got a firm. I mean, also here's yeah. the thing. It feels um, sus- suspect yeah. for sus, a mattress as the place. Kids say. Sus as the children. <laughs> um, for a place that's selling mattresses to put the word firm in their name. Yeah. Like you want... I mean, I know some people are like, oh, but you're back. But like, I don't, I want my mattresses to be like a, a tiny bit soft. And I want mine to be pretty firm, but I'm thinking um, like, honestly, my first thought when we, when we decided to dissect the title of this uh, okay. company uh, was like, a like, and lawyers, a law firm, like a firm. This like is a who law is firm. going to represent us in the battle against Men's Warehouse. We have the associates yes. over at Mattress Firm on our side. <laughs> They're the best in the biz. Watch the, out! Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, the best for oh, pro- for podcast slander yeah. out there. Yeah. Amazing, well, you know. <sighs> All right. Any um, other big news to discuss or no big news, but I did want to share an article mm-hmm. I found. Um, so last, I think last week's episode, <laughs> I don't know, everything's a blur. We it talked is. about um the varieties of Reese's cups. Yes, right. yeah. And I so I, I Googled it, like the I wanted to find the ranking of the best. Um, you know, like shapes and what is like what, what is a shape? Public, you know, what is a, what is a shape? Um, what are shapes? <laughs> what the public considers to be, you know, the best version of Reese's cups, and the results yeah. are, um, in a word, disturbing. Oh God! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? Yeah, no, 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 no. Because I want to say something before we get into this. Okay. I already am disturbed at how many people like Reese's pieces. Um, oh my God. Okay. So here's the thing. That's number one on this goddamn list is Reese's I have a pieces. big problem. I, knew I have, that was I, be have it. A, I have beef. I've got gripes. All of you gripes galore. If <laughs> and I, there's no chocolate, there's no chocolate. It's not. I'm at a loss for words of why people think that this even holds a candle to even the most poorly proportioned Reese's cup. Uh, I knew that that was going to be it. I knew that I'm was going to be it. I am yeah. honestly, 
I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm disappointed. Um, yeah. So this one is from Mashed. All of them were really annoying that I found because they were like, I don't know, they were just annoying. And I realized even though I suggested it, I'm pretty sure last time, people who take time to publish written works on the best and worst Reese's Cups are annoying. Sure. Um, so sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just calling I would say every single Reese's product is better than Reese's pieces. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going like, to stand firm on that. And here's the thing. I don't dislike Reese's Pieces. It's just to me, they're more in like the M&M's type of category. Sure. Like, I'm not like, it's a totally different thing. Okay. I hope you are ready to get just blood red mad. I am, but I do want to say one more thing. Okay, <laughs> I'm go. so sorry. The floor I keep... is yours. <laughs> But I would absolutely put above Reese's Pieces, I would put Reese's Puffs, the cereal. Oh my God. I love Reese's Puffs. So just, you know, just a takeaway. I think we have to make a YouTube video of us sampling every single Reese's product. Okay. I think it's just what has to be done. I'm making a good idea. It's column. (laughs) Okay. I'll put it in that column right now. (laughs) Right now. (laughs) Okay. So according to mash.com, um, this so they said that the number one is Reese's pieces. Um Blech. and I just <clears throat> I don't I don't know. It, and so it's like this line is so annoying. It says uh one of the things that sets Reese's pieces apart from the rest of the product line and the thing that makes them the overall best is the fact that they actually aren't made from the same filling as Reese's peanut butter cups. Get the fuck out of here. I'm so physically angry right now. I'm, yeah. Okay. Then can you just guess what number two is from the people that brought you Reese's pieces in first place? Guess what number two is. Um, just a regular. <laughs> oh no. It's okay. Reese's take five. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. It's like, what is wrong with these what people? What is wrong with these people? Like a Reese's take five. It's like, it's got it's like a chocolate bar that has the peanut butter stuff and then it's got like i think caramel and pretzels right i've had a take five and peanut yeah it's take five that's all it is i'm so angry um and then i feel personally attacked because all the way down on number three they put Mm -hmm. my favorite the Reese's Thins dark chocolate. I just. Wow. And then right after that, the Reese's Thins white cream. First of all, don't call it white cream. Don't Second ever all, call it white cream. Second of all. <laughs> well, and it's funny. It says, note the fact that these are called white cream and not white chocolate, which is important because the company was actually sued at one point for, quote, misrepresenting white chocolate. What kind of political action committee was like? I, mm, I love that. that. <laughs> um, it's me because I would wage war against the fact that like white chocolate is represented as some sort of chocolate, but I it's not chocolate. Well, it's just not chocolate. It's not chocolate. I have a big no. issue with that. I have beef. So then, and like this rates, uh, this is so many, I'm not going to read all of them because they do like every single Reese's product. So then they get to Reese's dipped pretzels. 
which is just like, I, I don't know. And then Reese's Thins yeah. milk chocolate. And then another travesty at number seven is Reese's peanut butter cup unwrapped minis. Are you kidding me? What? Those, those are at like, like top three. Yeah. Well, just... okay. And I also want to say this. I have always felt like the, the Reese's minis that are wrapped in the like foil mm-hmm thing are better yeah. than like the regular yeah flat Reese's the flat Reese's <laughs> the flat um, ones the flat the flat boys um yeah so then all the way down at number 11 they have just regular run-of-the-mill Reese's peanut butter cups and then right behind them in 12 is the mini cups the audacity of this the is just astounding is like <sighs> And I don't think, I don't even know if they actually have the, no, they don't have like the individual shapes. I probably should have Googled it better, but boy, was I just a boil. (laughs) You know, well, and you know what I want to say is that, um, what, sorry, what was the, uh, where was this article again? Mashed.com. Okay. Well, mashed starts with an M and that's all. Stick to potatoes, but also it's a company that starts with M. And I think we yeah, all know what that and I means. Think you gotta watch out. Yeah. Um, pretty. We pretty, will sue um, you. Risky platform for two people who both have M names and whose <laughs> podcast also starts with an M. Yeah. So we're risk takers. Well, yeah. We, you gotta risk it to get the biscuit. Get the biscuit. <laughs> As they say. Who says that? I say it a lot. I know you do, actually. (laughs) It's one of my favorite. That's probably where I picked it up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Any other candy talk? Any other? Not yet, but um, I'll put together some thoughts for next week. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. Yes. All right. Well, goodbye, intro. Goodbye, intro. So long. What if every week we just did like so long intro and then next week it was farewell intro? (laughs) We just, well, I think we have to now. Yeah, we're halfway there. All right. Are we ready for a museum? Let's do it. I'm so excited. Um, I am like butterflies in my stomach nervous about this one, to be honest with you. Oh no. Um, (laughs) Because it is a real heavy hitter. And I'm, I just, I'm concerned that I'm not going to be able to do it fully justice. I think you're going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, Well, let's do it. So, okay. Um, so a, a preface to the preface <laughs> or a preface to the intro, I suppose. Sure. Um, here at Museum Camp, we promised from day one to bring you into the weird world of museums. Yeah. And over, you know, the past many months, we have covered a lot of museums that in and of themselves are weird or funny. Uh Um, 
But today, uh-oh, we are going <laughs> we're going we're going to a museum. Um but we're going to a pretty normal run of the mill museum. Um, okay. and we're going to explore the weird side of it. I'm ready. Okay. Um All right, so here's where my script starts. <laughs> <laughs> Be more awkward about having a script. Oh, I will. It's out of my comfort zone. I normally do bullet points. I like to improv. But this was just like too much for me to improv. Yeah. I Because fact checkers, they'll be able to find the answers. Um, okay. So over the course of my research for Spooktember, I found an article from artnet.com called Seven Terrifying Tales from the World's Most Haunted Museums. This obviously sent me down quite the rabbit hole, and I began to search for what regular run-of-the-mill museum is considered the most haunted. Do you have any guesses? Oh. um, The most haunted museum. The Louvre? No. But don't keep guessing, because I think you'll get it. Um, Okay. (laughs) All right, so here's here's where the story starts. (laughs) Noah Angel, or Angel, an extra L at the end, Mm -hmm. um, showed up at a local pub for a friend's birthday one day and found that everyone around the table was in the middle of a very animated conversation. When Noah Mm. asked what they were talking about, he learned that everyone at the table had, at one point or another, worked at the British Museum in London. (gasps) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they were all sharing their accounts of firsthand hauntings. Hell yeah. After listening to their stories, Noah, an artist and researcher, launched a project focused on the oral history of hauntings in the British Museum. In 2018, he published a short book called Ghost Stories of the British Museum, which I believe is now out of print, um, oh. and is working on a full-length book instead to document his research. He remains the expert on all things spooky in the British Museum and has even led tours in the past, both in and out of the museum on the haunted London scene. Wow. I'm very nervous. (laughs) I'm so excited. I had no idea that the British Museum had like, was so haunted. Soups haunted. Have you been there? No. Okay, I have. We'll get into it, into my experience there. I don't think I was. Haunted. I went to I went to the Natural History Museum in London. I don't know that I went mm. to very many other museums there. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so um, I have a bunch of sources here. So I have that Artnet article. Um, I have a. A lot from that I'll talk about later from a blog called Darkest London, um, a few articles from the Daily Mail and one from the Sun, which I know these aren't like the most reputable research sources, but we're studying ghosts. So yeah, <laughs> chill out, scientists. It's not like um, BBC is going to be. Yeah, I'm like, I can't get a peer reviewed article on ghosts yeah. right maybe i can i don't know i should look that up. um spooky isles is another blog printedmatter.org which is um where noah angel's book um was being sold um okay. obviously the britishmuseum.org website called nautilus and then um three Wikipedia articles, one for the British Museum, one for the Montague House, and then one that I'm going to keep secret. Cool. There's a big love reveal. a secret. 
Wikipedia page. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So first we're going to do a little bit of background on the British Museum. Mm -hmm. Um, It was first founded in, which I guess is redundant. It was founded in 1753. Wow. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Long Um, time ago. Long time ago. And then it (laughs) opened to the public six years later in 1759. Okay. Making it the first public national museum in the world. Wow. Pause for a fact. Isn't that crazy? I had no idea. I know. Who freaking now? Amazing. So the vast majority of the collection came from a guy named Sir Hans Sloan. He was a physician mm-hmm. and scientist who had somehow amassed over 71,000 items and artifacts in his lifetime. Oh, shit. Um, and then upon his death, he left them all to the people of Britain. Um, which is really cool of him. Yeah. The collection was first housed in an estate called the Montague House. It was a mansion built in the late 1600s, but the museum demolished it in the 1840s <laughs> to make way for the current building. Yikes. So as a side note, feels weird for a museum to destroy a 200-year-old building, but... Feels... Um, yeah. Feels, feels weird. Sus. Feels it's us. It's like the opposite of what you should be doing, guys. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, say lobby. What can you do? <laughs> so the British Museum collection now has um around eight million objects, including some real heavy hitters, such as the Rosetta Stone. What? Um, oh yeah. The it's like right when you walk <laughs> the Rosetta Stone. The Rosetta Stone, which the language? language learning software. Um just like the very first one. Yeah. <laughs> oh um, man. They have the Elgin Marbles. Do you know that story? I think that was it probably more of an art familiar. history story. Yeah. Basically, um carvings from the Parthenon that a white guy stole. For his collection, it was like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Lewis Chessmen. Do you know? Okay. Those? Did uh-uh. you ever watch? Um, what was that show on Hulu? Castle Rock, I think. I on a Stephen did. King one, and it had one of the yep. Skarsgård boys. And I like, did watch it. There were all the time chessmen. warps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, so those were like the Lewis Chessmen. Okay. Chessmen. Um, there's an Easter Island statue. Oh. Um, there are just mummies galore. Of course. And, um, a book of the dead. Ooh. Egypt. Um, and then just tons of artwork by history's masters. I love it. Um, it's a great place. The museum is and always has been free to the public. And I spent just hours there when mm-hmm. I went a few years ago. Um, and I can personally recommend it. Um, although my only gripe is that I do ask that if you're visiting, you keep your kids' goddamn grimy hands off of the artifacts. Kids were just like touching ancient sarcophagi all over the place. And like parents would like, like hoist them up so that they could touch it. I was no, like, that's not how it works. 
you imbecile. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting kids in those kinds of that. museums are just not. I remember having to go into like mom mode when I was at the mm-hmm. Anne Frank house oh and there God. were kids just like Ugh, running and screaming. screaming. And I was like, hey, I snapped my feet. Read the room. <laughs> Read the room. The kids. Fucking room. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I was getting really, I, I, I still get really pissed off thinking about it. I was mm-hmm. so annoyed at them. And I'm just like, yeah, like glaring at the parents. Of course. Of course. How could you not? If there's one, you know, form of communication that transcends all languages, it is the glare of just approval about your parenting. That's right. And I was just serving it up left (laughs) and right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it's really, it's a really great museum. I love it. So like I said before, I found uh, quite a few articles about this from British tabloids during my research into the hauntings. Uh, so please forgive me for the less than reputable sources. But again, it's ghosts. Yeah. So they're what elusive, can you, do? you know? <laughs> hard. You got so to be sneaky to see down. the ghosts. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got to be really sneaky. And as we all know about the tabloids, mm-hmm. there's no one sneakier. No one sneakier than a ghost. Um, so there are a few spooky themes when it comes to paranormal experiences in this museum. Here mm-hmm. are some of the instances I could only find mention of. Um, and there weren't, again, you know, the writing, no offense to the, you know, the sun or whatever, but like... <laughs> just couldn't find a lot of like reputable um firsthand accounts sure. so um apparently there were there have been reported these like glowing white orbs floating over the main staircase Uh-oh. um and i guess from what i could gather from like piecing together from a few different tellings of this story and a few different articles there was a an exhibit that had um like a a gate or something that was from, I believe, a concentration camp of some sort there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so the security, you know, guards were like in the office and they're seeing these floating orbs. And so they're radioing to the people that are stationed there and like, hey, what are what are those things? Like, what are you guys doing? And they're just like, they're standing there like, what are you talking about? Weird. Um, spooky. Spooky. Um, <laughs> This one, I really wish there had been more, even even a little bit more information about, mm-hmm. um, because apparently there have been reports of um, the ghost of a female dwarf in one of the glass holding cases. Okay. Um, I have so, a few concerns. <laughs> let your imagination run wild there. <laughs> yeah. No idea. All right. Yep. Um, so, and then back to our old friends, the Elgin Marbles, infamous for mm-hmm. being stolen from their home country. They were reportedly heard weeping inside their storage crate when they moved to the UK, which, yikes. Yikes. Um, they, Dude. I mean, they can't have tear ducts. <laughs> yeah, they can't have tear ducts. Um, did anyone check that maybe like a, a person didn't wander into the crate and get stuck? <laughs> Yeah. Was it me? You yeah. can catch me weeping honestly almost seven days a week. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, <laughs> as expected, there were there are tons of reports of um, alarms going off in the middle of the night for no reason, doors opening or closing on their own, mysterious footsteps, music, crying, things like that, and then um, you know certain or sudden drops in temperature in some galleries. So all the all the usual suspects when it comes to ghost sure. tomfoolery, of course. Um, and so then there were also a few more. Uh, with a bit more detail. One guard reports um, that while he was in one of the African galleries, he was just inexplicably compelled to point his finger at a figure of a two-headed dog, which pausing right there is super fucking creepy. That is very creepy. Like just compelled. Like, were you just trying to like, boop, like... (laughs) Like, we all want to boop. Yeah. The, yeah, we the all snouts. Boop every dog. But I don't know. Here's the thing. I looked at this, the picture of this two headed dog and it's not like a cute two headed dog. Oh. Um, it is super scary looking. It's like, they're like <laughs> blades and nails and just like random shit sticking out from like all over its body. And it's like really oh, ferocious no. looking. So it's really creepy. Um, and so when he pointed said compelled finger at this uh-uh. dog, uh-huh. all the museum's fire alarms started going off. Stop. <laughs> now, supposedly this specific artifact um, was found in the Congo and is believed to have been used as a mediator between the living and the dead. Oh, my God. OK. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm spooked. <laughs> I'm officially spooked. Officially. Um, so one museum employee, I think probably a guard, uh, worked there for 29 years and still gets freaked out when he thinks about a specific incident in the ancient Egypt gallery. He was once in a room containing 19 mummies and suddenly the temperature just dropped. He said it felt like he had just walked into a freezer and he needed to get out. He was like, I just had this like gut, like feeling i was compelled if you will (laughs) i just knew i had to get out wow Um, and so he had a quote in the article i read in the daily mail that said i'm a great believer that wherever you're buried you should stay there a lot of the mummies there should be back in their graves a hundred percent preach like just listen there's no bigger (laughs) fan of museums than us but i do have to say taking um mummies mm-hmm. and putting them in a building where you know it's not their actual resting place is a yeah. bit icky to me it's i also as a person who has attended some mummy exhibits um the first time i went to one i wasn't like i guess i just didn't think like oh hey you're going to see some um dead yes. bodies megan <laughs> didn't think about it i was just like yeah mummies great and like i you know you know when your brain tubes don't connect or whatever the scientific (laughs) i really do (laughs) whatever the scientist scientists you know let us know what that is but when i went and i was just like oh right 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 this is terrifying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like you know again another ethics check here like because I'm, I'm with you. I think there's value in like studying this ancient, 
you know, like it's a huge part of ancient Egyptian specifically culture. And so mm-hmm. it's like, we can learn from it. We can study it. We can, you know, um, respect and admire it that way. But also it's just like a, how much time needs to pass before grave robbing turns into like excavation, <laughs> like, right. You know, well, where's, where's the line? The line? Yeah. 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 It's just agreed. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing to kind of just, yeah. just to ponder gone. Yeah. Yeah. Noodle it. Um, noodle it. If you, if you have a minute, um, the Sutton who <laughs> gallery got a lot of mentions also for being haunted. Um, do you know my good friends at, at Sutton who, um, this is really big in our history classes that I took. The gallery mm. houses a collection of items discovered from the Anglo-Saxon ship, um, that was found in 1939. It was just a huge deal in archaeology mm. and history. Cause it was just like fully intact. Um, and the ship is believed to have been buried in the sixth or seventh century. Wow. Um, apparently the archaeologists who found the ship were drawn to the site because they saw ghosts dancing on the burial mound. Mm, um, that's not going to draw me to a ship. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be the opposite. I'm going to be like, hey, you know what? You keep you know the what? ship. I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I put in parentheses disclaimer. This is disputed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, there's a helmet in this gallery that is thought to have been worn by a king from the time and is apparently super haunted. Um, this mm. one like kind of got me. Uh, one night, a okay. guard and his supervisor were closing up the gallery. And um, as the guard closed the doors, he distinctly felt a hand emerge no. between the doors and shove him violently backward. No. Flew, like six feet backward. And his supervisor witnessed the whole thing. I am uncomfortable with that. And I, I I also put in here, I was like, maybe this is just like a great way to illustrate that you don't really need to like push away the people that are trying to protect you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't so, bite the hand that feeds you, if you will. Yeah. Take that, ancient <laughs> king. I could uh, never be a like overnight security guard at a no, museum. I, yeah. Or anywhere. I just get too anywhere the night. <laughs> the night is so scary. Why is it so scary? It's just the uh, daytime, but darker. I don't get it. <sighs> yeah. What's up with that? Um, this is, <laughs> this is so funny and weird. I also read that visitors uh, tend to just be super weird in the ancient Egypt galleries. So aside from touching everything, apparently people um, have been seen trying to like communicate with the mummies oh, and no. on at least, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is like mm, red flag. Um, yeah. And on at least three separate occasions, people have just dumped museum quality items there. Um, the wow. example I read that was the only example listed, um, <laughs> said that it was a museum quality mummy's hand and the <sighs> visitor left a note that said, you know, I found this in my grandfather's things after he died. I need it dip- disposed of properly because it's like cursing me. <laughs> sure. I believe that. Yeah. I mean, I believe that it's cursing him. Yeah, I would be. What if the curse is just like every time he saw the hand, it was just giving him the finger? 
And he was like, <laughs> yeah, so rude. His feelings rude. were so just, hurt. Yeah. <laughs> raw. Uh, so good. Um, okay. So all of the stuff I just listed was just really rookie league haunting. Okay. Now let's Uh-oh. talk about the big kahuna and oh, buckle no. in. Cause we've got, we're on page three of seven. <laughs> Um, so the British Museum's most famously haunted item has been dubbed the unlucky mummy. Um, okay. and in classic British style, I feel like they're kind of downplaying a, a little bit. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, not correct, not incorrect. It is unlucky. Uh-huh. Um, and I would just like to say, and we'll get into the curse surrounding this. Um, sure. Of course, we'll go very in-depth um but i would just like to say it's a little sus <laughs> how many times can i put that in one episode it's a little sus that this is the third time we have tried to record this episode okay i don't like that you um mm-hmm. oh no <laughs> yeah it's so today when i was texting and saying that the universe was testing us you're you're thinking i'm thinking or, this mummy is testing us and cursing oh, us. No, that yeah. is very sus. Is and it? now I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, get ready. Um, okay. okay. So calling it a mummy is actually a very large misnomer. It's not actually a body or any sort of human remnant. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's just the painted wooden inner coffin lid. And so in ancient Egypt, they would, you know, obviously mummify the body and it was very ornate and decorative. And then they would like paint the likeness of the deceased onto this board. Um, Mm -hmm. so that I don't remember what the purpose is, but you know, they loved, they loved making ornate things. So of course, um, so it's just the inner coffin lid. Its history is a bit mysterious, but um, comparing shape and decoration style, historians, archaeologists, and scientists have been able to date it to the late 21st or early 22nd dynasty in Egypt, which was circa 950 to 900 BCE. Oof. So she old girl. Old. Um <laughs> We're not really sure who the mummy is, but we know that it was a woman because there's no beard um, and that she would have been pretty important because of the high quality of the lid and the materials used to paint. Mm. Um, There are some hieroglyphs on the board, but they don't name names. They are just a few short religious phrases. Okay. Uh, There has been a lot of speculation over the years as to her specific identity. Um, The British Museum initially described her as a priestess of Amun-Ra, who's like the main god. Um, Yeah, the the head honcho. The head honcho. um, (laughs) But there is no supporting iconography to back that up. But could Mm, be. I don't know. Um, Okay, so... I mentioned earlier the blog I found called darkestlondon.com. It's a blog I don't, it doesn't seem like he has um, updated it in a few years, but um, it's by a gentleman named Mark Haynes. Um, and I, he did a really, really great write up because there was just like so much obviously out there about the lore of this mummy mm-hmm. and, you know, all the curses with it. And so um, his was the best 
um, like most linear story that I could find. Um, and so I'm mostly reading his blog post called the British Museum's Cursed Mummy. That being okay. said, um, I have like trimmed it for time and have editorialized it um, and supplemented a few things here and there. So it's not verbatim, um, but I think it would still be classified as plagiarism if I didn't okay. cite if I didn't cite his sure. blog post. Sure. So, <laughs> Mark, if you're out there, thank you. You have a great blog, big fan. Love um, you, Mark. Yeah, lots of great stuff on there. Highly recommend. Um, and he read cool. this or published it in February of 2012. Um, so although it's not marked as such, the most famous cursed mummy case of all has stood for much of the last century in the first Egyptian room at the British Museum. We begin with an Oxford graduate, published author, horse breeder, an amateur archaeologist. Oh, named okay. <laughs> a lot going on resume <laughs> we love it a CV. renaissance man in oh, england yeah. they call a, it a, a cv <laughs> um why are the british so much cooler than us i just it's unfair in just so um, many ways in so many almost every way yeah i can't think of a single way that they're not yeah me neither um <laughs> I was going to say, if there are any Brits with low self-esteem out there who care to prove us wrong, please let us know. Please. Just kidding. Please We're ready don't. to You're debate great. you. <laughs> um, so this guy was named Thomas Douglas Murray. Sometime around 1889, while visiting Egypt, which he apparently did relatively frequently, uh, he and two colleagues were shown a remarkably well-preserved mummy case, supposedly excavated in the 1880s. Um, so, you know, right around then recently excavated Murray and his friends drew lots to determine which of them would buy it. Murray one completed the sale and the case was packed up and on its way to his home in London the same evening. From here, we get a real string of bad luck. Um, a few days after the purchase, Murray was duck shooting on the Nile and his shotgun exploded. Um, and it was, which I don't know anything about guns, but. Okay. Sounds like, yeah. Sounds like a, not yeah, good. Not great. Um, <laughs> and it was a full 10 days before he could get medical attention. Um, oh my God. So by that time, Gan Green had sent in, had set in and his arm had to be amputated. So oh, one for the mummy and the ducks <laughs> and the ducks. Yeah. They're, they're thriving. <laughs> they're just like, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> Um, later in their journey, one of Murray's companions died and three servants who had handled the mummy's case also died. So like, what? <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> um, another article I read also mentioned that one member of the group survived the trip and made it back to England, but then lost his entire fortune gambling, um, which like, don't blame that on a mummy. That's like just yeah that's just just sounds like you're being irresponsible with your money yeah (laughs) um the same guy moved to america got rich again somehow then lost his new fortune (laughs) to both a fire and a flood wow (laughs) Uh, i mean biblical it's almost biblical (laughs) it's spooky yeah um and like the irony you know it's just like when you're in a fire american flood (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's the American I love it. <laughs> um 
So when Murray got home and unpacked the mummy, he looked at it again and was like, mm, this is pretty spooky. Um, yeah. And just like felt that it was full of malevolence. One source claims that Madame Blavatsky, who was the clairvoyant founder of Theosophy. Do you know about Theosophy? It sounds so familiar. It's like this occult, like religious cult type thing. I don't uh-huh. really get it, but like, here's the thing. So I, I like hovered over the link on Wikipedia because it gives you the like synopsis, basically sure. of the page. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And so I clicked on the whole thing and I just like, I saw it and I was like, I, I cannot afford to go down this rabbit hole right now, but I fully intend to read the entire thing probably tonight <laughs> because I'll it, do it sounds too. so interesting. Great. We'll have book club. Um, yeah. Wikipedia, <laughs> Wikipedia club. club. <laughs> it's free. Um, it is free. Yeah. So um, by the way, donate to Wikipedia. I just got my donation renewal notice. Wouldn't, yeah. would it kill you? Would it? It wouldn't. Um, no. So anyway, Madame Blavatsky was clairvoyant and she, uh, quote, detected an evil influence from the case when she visited the house. So um, a journalist was profiling Murray at one point and asked to borrow the board. And Murray found himself super relieved when it left his house. Oh, God. <laughs> So disturbing. Misfortune struck the journalist while it was in her possession. Her mother fell downstairs and died. Her fiance called off their relationship. Her dogs went mad and she became ill. What the fuck is going on? I mean, Mondays, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) poor woman. Uh, Um, So she told her lawyer for some reason uh, that she believed the mummy case was unsettling her and was causing all of this. So it was returned to Murray. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, by this point, Murray, like his suspicions were starting to be confirmed. He was getting really freaked out, obviously. Um, And so he was pretty rattled. He and he did what all great friends do and pawned it off on his friend, Arthur, who had um, he was the one that had the fire and the flood and the gambling and all of that. Oh, right. Arthur. Um, and <laughs> so apparently shortly after the fire and the flood, Arthur Wheeler, um, quote, died brokenhearted. Um, I don't know, having all of his fortunes lost multiple times. Um, and right before he died, he had given the mummy to his sister in London, which is also oh, no. rude. Yeah, very rude. Yeah, like don't don't do that. If you come across an item and you're like, "Hey, I think this item is cursed and is giving me some bad luck," like put it call back. a professional, put it back. <laughs> call what's the um, John Zaffis, the guy who has the paranormal museum? Yeah, like he's got to know him, something. Call a priest. I don't know. Just like don't give it to people you like. Yeah. Or, or honestly, don't give it to people you hate. That makes you real shit. You have to yeah. win fair, you know? You yeah, have to come fight on. fair when you hate someone. That's right. That's that's something that we we really believe in here at yeah. Museum Camp. So sorry to get so um political. <laughs> I don't hot know. take. Yeah, hot take. Be nice. Um so Wheeler's sister took the case and then she took it to be photographed. 
at a studio in Baker Street, which like why? Okay. But okay. You can't put it on Facebook. I don't whatever. Um, the Baker Street. The Baker Street. Where Sherlock Holmes once Your friend Sherlock. Wow. Yeah. Just layers on layers on layers. <laughs> and so to her horror, um, quote, when the plate was developed, although the negative had not been touched in any way, it was seen that there looked out the face of a living Egyptian woman whose eyes stared furious, furiously with an expression of singular malevolence. In oh, the course God. of a few weeks, the photographer died suddenly and in most <gasps> mysterious circumstances, end quote. What? Which like... I, I mean, I'm always a skeptic. And so I'm just like, okay, mysterious circumstances in like the late 1800s could be, you know, that you had like fucking appendicitis or something like, yeah, you know, that's it, true. It, mm, uh, there's just that. But <laughs> also it's like, and I don't know. I'm, I know I'm acting like I'm both a doctor and a professional photographer, but like, I've Which seen is fair. some pictures from the late 1800s and they're not great quality no they never are they so, never are yeah. i mean i'm just saying there could be some other there could be some alternative theories it's sus is what she's saying it's guys sus, is, what, <laughs> is what i'm saying yeah i'm not ruling anything out yeah but it's sus. I hate, I, hate, I hate myself for this um so it was said that when a later owner of one of the photographs brought it into his home every piece of glass in his home shattered so well 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 i, I can't explain away that one yeah was there an opera singer around? yeah like yeah but like what else did they bring into the home like they're bringing yeah. in a <laughs> they're bringing in a the, the picture of the mummy and a guy with a sledgehammer like you know yeah. <laughs> what else is there uh, i need yeah. context right um okay so through a whole stream of events um the lady who had taken possession of the case happened to meet murray and oh quote and naturally poured out to him her pitiful story he urged her to get rid of the case immediately whereupon it was offered to and accepted by the british museum okay so finally someone is just like hey let's put this not in a home, but in a place where it can affect hundreds of thousands of public patrons. Yeah. Yeah. So. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, an, Egyptolo an Egyptologist who acted as the middleman in the handover had the case sent to his house so he could study the hieroglyphics. He died shortly after his servant saying his master hadn't slept since the day the coffin was brought into the house. So, you know, have we checked the sarcophagus for like asbestos or yeah, just like lead? Of cyanide? Yeah. Um, There's gotta be something. Yeah. I mean, but could also be cursed. We could also know. be cursed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, okay. So the carrier who brought the case to the British museum died within a week. And it was rumored that anyone who tried to photograph or sketch the mummy case would be struck down. 
Another photographer who had taken an image capturing the terrifying face of a woman shot himself after presenting presenting it to Sir Ernest Wallace Budge, the keeper of Egyptian and Assyrian antiquities at the British Museum. Wow. So just, I mean, not a great look for this. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Um, So Wallace Budge, the like... Egyptian um, and Assyrian antiquities curator was reportedly so concerned with the number of stories he had heard. Numerous staff reported unexplained hammering noises and raucous sobs coming from the case. He began to wonder if the priestess was unhappy with her position and presentation in the museum. Mm. He arranged for the mummy to be installed in a display case of its own adorned with a laudatory notice. It was said that the disturbances largely ebbed away once this was done. So she's just kind of a diva, I guess. Um, Although night cleaning staff continued to report ghostly appearances and overwhelming feelings of terror emanating from the case in the decades to come. Wow. Yeah. Wallace. Also, I love that he arranged to have it moved, which is like, so well, this guy keeping his distance. Oh my God. This guy is, this guy is sus (laughs) because here's the thing. So in one paragraph, he's so concerned about it. And he's just like, oh my God, everyone's freaking out. This is going to turn from like a novelty into bad press. No one's going to want to come see my exhibits. Um, to, um, well, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Apparently later, he was like, what? There are no hauntings. Nothing's haunted. Oh God. Um, he's yeah. gaslighting so, everyone. Yeah, he's gaslighting himself. Um, so he was once even quoted as saying enigmatically, never print what I saw in my lifetime, but the mummy case of Princess Amun-Ra caused the war. Which so, war? <laughs> uh, I mean, it was like early 1900s. Okay, so the First World War? I would assume so. I, I mean, you know. But the thought that a mummy would cause a war... And that he's like, never print what I saw. But he's like, but. he's just like stirring the pot. That's yeah. <laughs> just looking for drama. Yeah. He loves it. Just like the mummy. Right. Um, so nor did Murray's problems, the original guy, stop when he had rid himself of the case. He reportedly lost a large part of his fortune over the following years and died in 1912. Mm. But like any good ghost story, the truth is both more prosaic and harder to locate than the myth. Amen. Mm. Um, Douglas Murray was indeed at the heart of the tale of the cursed mummy case, but he was neither the intrepid traveler nor the reliable witness he might have seemed. In 1889, Murray was part of a large movement of people becoming interested in the paranormal. At a time when seances, table tapping, and communicating with the other side were terrifically in vogue, he was not unusual. But like many of the spiritualists at the time, his desire to find the existence of an afterlife came at the expense of the truth. Apparently, before he got the mummy, he'd been obsessed with a story about a woman who brought a mummy back from Egypt, and it just fully destroyed her home. Um, And that's on Manifestation. That's right. <laughs> I mean, he really just, he mastered his own fate. But like, why would you want to replicate that? Like, if you are so into like spiritualism and you're part of this movement where you're like, oh my God, ghosts everywhere. 
Yeah. I just like, why would like go haunt somebody else or some, I, I mean, I know I literally just said don't haunt other people or don't like make other people haunted for you, but like there has but... to be a better way <laughs> than inviting an ancient curse into your life and the lives of your fellow yeah. countrymen. Don't, you know, I just think a good rule of thumb is don't mess around with curses. Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Yep. Curse words, not curses. Yeah. <laughs> That's my motto. That's right. <sighs> what a goof. Um, so when Murray <laughs> when Murray heard that the mummy was in the British Museum, he contacted the museum to ask if he could hold a seance in the Egyptian room with his colleague. <laughs> And the museum obviously said no, but can you imagine if they hadn't, like, can you just imagine it's like 1910 or whatever. And there's just these like two guys like performing a seance in a museum. (laughs) (laughs) Should we do that at some point for Patreon? Oh my God. Yes. A seance. <laughs> yeah. For $10 yeah. a month, we'll perform a seance in the museum of your choosing. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm too scared of seances. I won't do too it. Too scared. I don't want to invite I'm any too sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Especially not after slamming Douglas Murray for doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a reputation to uphold. Yeah. Um, so the, <laughs> the colleague that he um, wanted to, to co-seance with um, was journalist W.T. Stead, um, mm-hmm. who remember that name had okay. he'd written one of the first articles about the curse. Um, so regardless of the fact that they were prohibited from um, doing the seance, the papers did report the story anyway, most likely because Stead was a very like famous, influential journalist. Um, they mixed together the, um, abortive seance and the creaky old ghost story, the coffin lid and Douglas Murray into a composite nonsense tale that survived for a century. Wow. Um, okay. So now we're going to talk about WT Stead for a second. Um, and this is where I'm predicting you're going to get some palps. Some heart. Oh no. Oh no. You know, I'm in the most haunted room of my house. I know. I know. Um, (sighs) So, in some ways, Stead gave the whole story credence as he was one of the forefathers of modern investigative journalism. He was combative, creative, and he was a pacifist, frequently nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. He became increasingly interested in spiritualism during the 1890s, just like our friend Douglas Murray. But he was claiming that he was receiving messages from the dead. So, um, unfortunately, um, his absorption in spiritualism began to dominate his writings and marginalize what had once been a massive influential talent, kind of like Gwyneth Paltrow or something. <laughs> like really shot herself in the foot with all the Ex- yeah, exactly stuff. like Gwyneth Paltrow. It's, yeah, he's exactly like it. Yeah. Um, so in 1912. Mm-hmm. Stead inadvertently added a further dimension to the tale. He was one of the victims on board the Titanic. Shut your mouth. And if you go on to Wikipedia and look at the unlucky mummy, one of the like pages it links out to is alternative theories about the sinking of the Titanic. There are people are who we credit this mummy. This- this mummy is the reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, I believe so it. 
Yep. And I'm sold. I'm sold. I don't need to hear anything else. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you anyway. Great. (laughs) Um, After the ship struck the iceberg, Stead helped several women and children into the lifeboats in an act, quote, typical of his generosity, courage, and humanity. After all the boats had gone, Stead went into the first class smoking room where he was last seen sitting in a leather chair and reading a book. Classic. Um, He had been due to take part in a peace congress at Carnegie Hall at the special invitation of President Taft. It was said that he had survived. It was said that had he survived, he would have received the Nobel Peace Prize later that year, which I give it to him posthumously. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. So um, rude to not do that. I know. Actually, such a a slam. (laughs) Stead's death led to a resurgence of rumors about the case when one survivor related he had told the story of the mummy's curse on board the Titanic. You dingus. Why would you do that? Yeah, because it's unsinkable. (laughs) He's like, bring it, mummy. We're fine. (laughs) Try to see you try. You old bored. Um, <laughs> there were theories that this pissed the mummy off and she sank the Titanic out of spite, which is honestly fair. Yeah, but also, I get you know, it. Like a tragedy is a tragedy. Um, yeah. And others um, would say that the mummy was actually on board the Titanic. Um, they There were theories that the British Museum was trying to like pawn it off onto a US museum because it was so haunted. Um, and that it was on board the Titanic. Um, oh. And that, and then there were a bunch of like kind of spinoff theories there where it was just like, oh, it has um, like, you know, it had to be rescued or like washed ashore, like all this weird stuff. And now um, the ocean's haunted. <laughs> and now the ocean is haunted. And the last thing I want haunted is the already spooky as hell ocean. Yeah. It's spooky enough. We don't need yeah. ghosts in What's there. Next? Space. <laughs> I mean, Jesus come on, Christ! Yeah, use some tact, people. Try to contain the hauntings. Just you know, I smidge. think that there are several like bodies of water that it's clear are haunted. Lakes, we know they're haunted. Yeah, right. Nessie. Um, yeah. yeah, lakes are haunted. That's just the way it is. It's and fact. I just, it's a scientific fact. <laughs> And we're not ready for an ocean haunting. It's just, it's too bad. Oh my God. But that would be a great idea for like a big Hollywood movie of like haunted ocean. And Uh, should we start writing the script? Yeah. I'm too scared, but yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, As it turns out, you know, the mummy was not even close to being on board. Um, It was just still on display at the British Museum just as it always had been. Sure. <laughs> so, like, I think that one was pretty easy to debunk, but you gotta respect the people who are trying to stir the pot before the internet. You gotta respect it. In, yeah. gotta. Good effort. Yep. Uh, so the board has been on continuous display in the British Museum since 1890. It has only left on a handful of occasions when moved for safekeeping during the two world wars. And in 1990, when it formed part of a temporary exhibition in Australia. Mm. Um, in 1934, they were just trying to send it to Australia to get rid of it. Like, yeah, all of they were like, felons. hey, you guys have enough of like weird shit going on. You might not even notice. <laughs> yeah. Like everything there is trying to kill you. Yeah. What's one more curse? Yeah, it just <laughs> makes What's sense. A single curse. Um, <laughs> 
1934, our old fickle friend Wallace Budge, who Uh-oh. before said that it started the war, um, uh-huh. even issued a statement saying the mu- the British Museum had never possessed a mummy coffin or cover that had been involved in any unusual events. He stated the case had never been sold by the terrified museum, had never been on the Titanic, and had never left the museum at any point since its arrival, aside from the um, brief points we mentioned before. Sauce. Um, sauce. That said, is this a cover-up? This is a mask. Just, it's, and literally, it's all a cover-up because it is a coffin cover. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. It's right there. Yeah. That said... <laughs> Good old Wallace Budge died the same year he made this statement. So if he yeah. was hiding the truth, perhaps the vengeful mummy had one last burst of malevolence left. Yeah. Well, um, this bitch is claiming a lot of lives. I mean, I mean death left and right. Yeah. But truly. Did you see just, the mummy when you were at the museum? I think I probably did because I did spend a lot of time in the um Egyptian galleries mm. obviously um I don't remember that one specifically and it's not marked obviously as like you know the unlucky mummy or anything it's just like a board well, they should they should Come on, just so is, people know you don't want to accidentally PR. curse someone exactly it's just ethical at this point <laughs> yeah. it's you have to consent to being haunted and yeah, that's what this is sure. about consent consent <laughs> One source claimed that every part of Douglas Murray's story was entirely fabricated, but in truth, he did seem to have some part in handling the board before it ended up in the British Museum's collection. Um, Some sources claim he bought the lid from an American millionaire collector of antiquities named James Carnegie. Oh. Um, The patron of the famous German archaeologist Heinrich Schliemann, who... Uh Here's the thing. Wasn't he the guy... Who was like, oh, I found this mask of Agamemnon, but it just like truly looked like him. Oh, yeah. I don't know where they ever landed on it of like, is this legit? Are you trying to say that you look just like, I don't remember if it was Agamemnon or Menelaus, but. um, One of those two. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't fully trust Schliemann. The name alone just sounds. You know, sus. I don't want to say sus. <laughs> we are out of control. I know we have to stop. No, okay. I need someone to do an intervention on us to remind us that we are in fact millennials <laughs> and not Gen Z. <laughs> I can't help it if their lingo is just so good. Yeah, it's very catchy. It is. Um, and yeah, so there was um um Basically, millionaire collector of antiquities named James James Carnegie, the patron of the famous German archaeologist Heinrich Schliemann, who may have discovered it at a dig in the late 1880s. Mm. Um, Carnegie may have sold the coffin lid to Douglas Murray in Cairo in 1910. Um, The popular curse rumor being he died of cancer before the Englishman's check even cleared. So Carnegie also got fucked, but we don't know if that's really true. Um, The chain of custody is is pretty unclear. Mm -hmm. But the real mystery is why did Douglas Murray promote the story of a curse? So here's what the author is saying. He was in his 40s 
established and seemingly had no need to promote himself. By the time his story was known, the mummy had already been bequeathed to the museum, so he wouldn't even have financially benefited from its unique backstory. It seems most likely that his spiritualist beliefs led him to claim the coffin he had bought was in some way haunted. If it was an attempt to capture the imaginations of those who did not believe in the paranormal, he succeeded in a way he could never have imagined. Over 120 Mm. years later, his ghost story is still making the rounds. Um, I forgot about the very last line in this report, and I'm so excited. Thomas Douglas Murray died in 1912. His will, founding a scholarship in Egyptology, which is which still exists at UCL, um, I don't know what that is, a legacy which contradicts the claim that he was bankrupt at the end of his life, part of the ongoing curse. Mm. Aside from having his name to attach to one of the country's most enduring ghost stories, Douglas Murray was also the man who first brought the Pekingese Spaniel to Britain. <laughs> so... I say it again, a real Renaissance man. Really? I mean, yeah, a great what can't CV. He do? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that is my humble attempt at the British Museum's Unlucky Mummy and various ghost stories. Wow. Very excited to go back um, again someday when yes. people are letting Americans in. Um, when we're less embarrassing and. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. Don't um, hold your breath. Yeah, please don't. We're not liable. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> contact mattress firm. Let them know. Um, but I didn't. I didn't get any reviews of this one. I mean, obviously, there's a ton of the British Museum, but mm-hmm. I know that usually like reviews are funny, and it, I don't know. It just like didn't feel like the, quite the vibe we were going for with this museum. Um, sure. And I'm you know supplementing it with my own first-hand review and what could be better than that great museum you guys and it's (laughs) you all and it's free it's free all you have to do is just go to london and you're there that's it that's it buy your pie you know one thousand dollar round trip ticket Mm -hmm. to london yeah Um, get a free museum yeah free museum can't beat that yeah what's better than free Amazing. Thank you for tackling such an enormous museum. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. And now I feel haunted. I know. It was so fun. I did go, when I went to the British Museum, we went like in the morning. And now I want to go kind of, you know, at night. I want to do like museum The witching hour? Oh my God. The witching hour. Please let us go at the witch. Who do I need to contact about a private sleepover at the museum? (laughs) If if there are if there's anyone listening who could set this up, please. Um, please know that we're saying this, um, but I'm saying it completely in vain. I have no intentions of actually sleeping over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get a little too spooked. Yeah, I mean. And just like we talked about with Lizzie Borden last week, I say that I would, but I would also secure a hotel room right next door. <laughs> yeah. We'd need a backup. <laughs> I'd need a backup. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Here's what we're asking. 
Um, We need someone who can let us in or help us break into the British Museum after dark. Sure. And we need someone who can um, have a certified ghost-free hotel room or Airbnb nearby that we can also book. Yeah, (laughs) ghost-free. Just as one of the amenities, if it could not be haunted, that would be great. Yes. Yeah. Is there a filter for that on Airbnb? (laughs) There is not. I already know. I wish. (laughs) I I wish. There should be. There should be. I bet a lot of people would love a haunted experience. Yeah. And And again, it's about consent. I don't give consent. Yeah. I would love to avoid a haunted experience. Um, wow. Amazing. And, um, I think what I want to say right now is campers. First of all, thank you for joining us. You are mm-hmm. the wind loved. beneath our wings. You are the wind beneath our wings for sure. Mm-hmm. You lift us up where we belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you wouldn't mind, um, go check out our social media, Mm-hmm. Uh, at the museum camp on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. We're there. We're there. We're there. Um, if you like us and you are, you're like, if you're like, Hey, these gals are funny and cool. Um, and I want to support them or uh, monetarily I hate men's warehouse <laughs> and mattress firm. Yeah. 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 Um, and if you have strong opinions on Reese's, um, just really mm-hmm. any of these things. And I you said any strong opinion <laughs> on races. And I was like, dial that back for a second. Yeah, no, no, no. Like that's not what I anyone said. else's opinion on any race. <laughs> so. I don't care about your opinions on race, but Reese's, I do care about. Mm, I care ardently. And then in addition to that, if you have an extra $5 a month, then that makes you a really good candidate to join our Patreon. And you can go to patreon.com slash the museum camp. We will send you stuff in the mail. We'll write a Mad Lib about you and like read it on the podcast. Star of the podcast. Yeah. For like a few minutes. Don't get, don't get ahead of yourself. For a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) We're the stars. We're clearly the stars. <laughs> um, anything else? Um, leave us a review if you can. Please. That it's, helps for some yeah. reason. Um, and, and we just like to hear from you. Meg and I were just talking before we hit record that, um, you know, we always love it when we just like hear from you all that you're listening and that we're not just talking into the void. Oh my god, what it's if, nice to know. Yeah. Do you think I'm do you think I just spread a curse to all of our listeners? Probably. Oh, Probably. Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna have to put a, a disclaimer that by listening to this podcast, you consent to potential curses. Yeah. And we're so sorry about that. Yeah. By the way. So, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but we're right there with you. If if you yeah. if you're cursed, I've been cursed four days longer that's right minimum um (laughs) and that's the kind of leadership you see here at (laughs) we are right there in the trenches we are getting our hands dirty (laughs) 
Um, and we will see you all next week. Really try to stay away from cursed objects and mm-hmm. just stay safe. Please. For the love of God. If you um, wouldn't mind. Yeah. And if you've ever been haunted, we're waiting for your email. Let us know. Yeah. And also let us know your opinions on the best Reese's shape. Yeah. We care. Just just send us stuff. Just talk to us, please. Please. Is this is this too much? How do I probably talk to, <laughs> how do I talk to people that I want to like me? I don't know. Yeah, it's impossible to know. Um and let we... us know if this is correct. <laughs> it's not. I can tell you. It's not. <laughs> Uh, um bye Bye. everyone (laughs) goodbye goodbye